0: You've just entered the Disaster Tough podcast, the place for emergency managers, first responders, and humanitarians who want to get the job done. Stories, lessons, and tips are provided by field experts. I'm your host, John Scardina, owner of Doberman Emergency Management and former federal emergency response official who's responded to some of the most extreme disasters. Disaster Tough is our mantra. It combines experience, training, and analytics in order to be successful at any stage within the disaster life cycle. It means being a professional in emergency and disaster services. Doberman Emergency Management lives by this. If your organization needs to fill a gap, please contact us. We can help. Contact info is in the show notes. We also support other products and organizations that will increase your ability. For example, if you fight wildfires, hurricanes, a pandemic, any disaster in the field, at a hospital or command center, listen up. You're missing out if you do not use L3Harris for your radio comms. They are secure, portable, mobile, and scalable, which is great news for us in the field. A truly disaster-tough radio system. Check out the XL family of radios by clicking on the show notes or simply go to l3harris.com. When you think of situational awareness, you need to think of Futurity IT. They are disaster tough because they saw a gap and figured out how to close it by creating the Orion and Athena applications. Situational awareness is all about speed, coordination, and accuracy of information. Futurity IT's Orion app collects and provides preliminary damage assessments and integrates all incident action plan documents with WebEOC. The Athena app allows for planning, contact tracing, and customizable group coordination in every single phase of the disaster lifecycle. The best part? Futurity IT made both applications extremely intuitive. It's so easy to use. Click on the show notes today to schedule a free demo. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. Man, I'm so excited for this episode. William Jackson, one of our most popular people who's ever been on the show, is back. He's with the 82nd Airborne. If you guys remember uh, our episode from the July 4th episode, we were talking about his experiences there and his transition from military service into emergency management. He is now the owner of Gladiator Guns, where he does training to first responders the military, anybody who wants to, to get uh, better training to be responsible there. And so he does a lot of that tactical training with uh, firearms. And so he has a sol- just so much experience in talking about the man-made stuff, about re- uh, risk management and, and all of that. So it's, it's going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking about 2021 and how to do protection the right way. Jack, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's good to be back, uh, to have you back, rather. And so, um, you know, a lot has happened between July and, you know, let's say, like the end of January. And so, um, we just want to talk about, we, we've been on this kick here for a little bit, talking about 2021, potential threats and how to mitigate those threats. And, of course, uh, you know, 2021 started off, the first three or four days were great, and then uh, then reality hit again. So, we're still with, yeah. with covid we're still dealing with, you know, uh, potential threat. But because your background really understands the man-made threats, uh, we want to talk about that because I get a lot of questions. And shout out to uh, those several face- Facebook groups um, who, uh, who added me recently and asked questions about this, uh, talking about Black Swan events and all that. Um, but in terms of uh, kind of the discussion of the day really is um, dealing with cascading events from... Uh, whether it's civil unrest, like a peaceful protest that turns into a riot or uh, domestic terrorism, that's really important right now. Uh, DHS just came out with an assessment on Wednesday that said, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they increased their threat level there. And so uh, just from your background and working with all these different levels of security and and response, um, you know, the the complexities of protecting high level assets, and I'm talking about uh, people, of course, and their buildings, um, like government buildings. What is your take of what's been happening this year, and um, what do you think we need to do as emergency managers as we prepare for the future?
1: Oh man, that's a great question. That's a loaded question. Now, that's a loaded question. So, um, <clears throat> I
0: hear guns, pun, yeah, loaded question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Need to come to come to training, but no. Um, I think, um, like you said, man, those assessments, threat assessments, all those things that were just published. Um, I think that's great material as far as, for us as emergency managers, right? But if it's if it's, if it's it's information and we take it and we don't do anything with it, then it's, it's not worth anything, right? So I think okay. for us, you know, for emergency managers, the first thing, one of the first things, I'm not gonna say the first thing, but one of the first things we should do when we receive this information is to, I don't wanna use the word fact check it, but I want to make sure, hey, let's deep dive into it and see how this affects, potentially can affect us, right? Because that information comes out and it's just, it's across the board, right? So it says, hey, you know, these type of buildings or, you know, unless there's specific threats to those individual buildings. So let's just say if we work in building A and they say, hey, building A, we have credible information that there's going to be something happening that you're building today. Then that's different. But if it's just saying overall in the city, things may happen. So now we're put on notice, right? So at that point, um, I think one of the first things we need to do is bring in, depending on what your agency assets are, bring in those assets in the form of those leaders and say, hey, guys, this is what we're looking at. Can we protect or defend whatever that situation may dictate? And if the answer is no, then now we start doing some legwork. If the answer is yes, we still start doing legwork, but now we start, okay, w- let's asset allocation. Okay, if, if we have this many, I don't know, this many police officers for our building and uh, the, the protests for... Not trying to go, you know, but if if the event or the threat assessment says, hey, there's 60 guys coming to your building and you have five officers, well, then we're already at a deficit, right? So now we start to work and open those MOUs and MOAs with other agencies saying, hey, can we beg, borrow and steal or, you know, so on and so forth. So I think that's the big thing for emergency managers. And and what we talk about at our agency um, is that emergency managers are like, we're like the... For lack of a better word, we're like the plug, right? Like we don't own anything. We just control, Hey, you need something. I can get it from this guy to talk to this guy. And then we can put it together and we can make it work. But I, I like think that. the relationship part of an emergency manager is super crucial. And I think that's something that's lacking for emergency managers, right? Um, because most of the time we don't, number one, we don't have a seat at the table, right? So things and decisions are being made around your organization and us as subject matter experts aren't in the room to say, that doesn't make sense. We don't have that. We can do that. Hey, let me tell you about this other program that we can bring in, things of that nature. So you just so, described
0: my entire you, career. Yeah. Hey, I think a lot of people both, are going to be sh-
1: shaking heads there. Yeah. You and me both. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much something like that.
0: I really like how you called it the plug. I've been calling it a coordinator. I, I say the the greatest n- misnomer for our field is that we call our, uh, ourselves managers. Like first of all, I've been on this like big thing for a while about the meaning of words. Like I don't use resiliency sure. anymore. I use tough because I don't. I don't want to bounce back. I I don't want to have to deal with the problem. Um, and mm. so like, y- you talked about this plug, and my my thought is, yeah, like we're really just trying to coordinate all the different pieces to make sure they're talking together to, ha- that, to have the best possible outcome. I always think sure. of mitigation like, um, okay, if I want to mini- mitigate a flood, I'll put up sandbags or if I want to mitigate, um, you know, potential problem, I'll have levy systems, that kind of stuff. I don't really think about mitigating a problem based off of where human resources as in not like the HR department, but like the people are at and how to, mitigate a problem just by getting them out of the situation. Um, I am all for, so I've said that I'm a pretty controversial guy because I'm all for protest. Like if you want to protest, like whatever, it's not really my deal, but like whatever the topic is, I don't, you know, if you want to, you know, you think the the moon is made out of candy, whatever, go protest. I don't care. (laughs) But as soon as you start endangering people, that's, that's where the line is crossed for me. I don't care what the topic is. Um, because that's like that gets us closer to division that gets us that's that pulls away from a situational awareness and creates division and that doesn't help right. anybody so yeah like um just like the events of this year alone like soon as people enter the capital with the the flag of the enemy United States since they have that you know the the Confederate flag there dude traitor you know like you're you're done and so yeah. um, big shout out to our our partners at FBI for uh for finding that and, and calling that out. People who stayed outside the building who didn't ramp that up, good for you for, for doing that. Protest whatever you like. You're, you're stupid mm-hmm. for that protest, but you know, protest for whatever you like. Um, right. And that goes on for future events too. And I, I only see um, this escalating. The more and more our population gets used to like mass protests, the more and more it's, it's going to be common. Um, some mm-hmm. issues are really important. You know, some issues. It's like, hey, we got to bring awareness to this. And other issues, it's like, well, I'm just complaining about it and not trying to find a real solution here. No matter what it is, it these events tend to escalate, and they mm-hmm. they tend to escalate when we are not trained very well in emergency management or counterparts in first response, or mm-hmm. there's agitators within that group who um, who seek to 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 create that division. And so you can, you can talk forever about that, but that gets political real fast. But in terms of coordinating a multi-jurisdictional response, begs, what'd you say, beg, steal, and borrow?
1: Yeah, um, you exactly.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second, because I'm like, I've brought this up to a couple different people now. On pretty much every single after-action, we see the same dumb word that doesn't mean anything, and that's communication. Uh we had a communication right. gap. Like, what did you mean by communication? Did you mean like your radio didn't work, or did you mean that you you had poor relationships? And so, can right. you talk to us more about like you said relationships are so critical? What do you mean by that?
1: Well, so um, relationships, right? Relationships are there. I mean, the buzzword, like you said, is communication. But if you look at communication and you break it down, what is that? What is the core? Um, core, you know, value of communication is talking to someone. Like simple, plain and simple. Hey, can I talk from point A to point B if we're talking about equipment? Yes or no. But if we go back to the simplest form to the earliest days, it's, hey, John, I'm Jack. I would Mm -hmm. like to come over and borrow your lawnmower to to cut my grass. I don't have a lawnmower. Is that okay? Yeah, man, come on over and borrow it. Something simple as that. And then you build off of that, right? So you know, fast forward to current current times right now, we have, and 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 mind you, the the COVID situation doesn't make it any easier for us as emergency managers, right? Because we were talking about it before off air. Like, there's so many of us that aren't even in the office, right? Um, and I think that's a whole new, you know, you know, um, paradigm as far as being able to manage, you know emergency management from outside of the structure or outside the office can can it be done can it not be done so that might be a a good topic for you in one of your next <laughs> you know podcast emergency management from a virtual you know arena but
0: we'll get you um, back on here to do that
1: no, no. <laughs> yeah so uh so so communication man you have to be able to communicate and, and we talk about it the, you know we've coined the phrase we as an emergency manager coined the phrase hey you don't want to be meeting somebody the first time in the middle of a disaster, right? Handing out your business card in disaster. Those relationships have to be preemptive. You have to know who's in your jurisdiction. Hey, what assets are available to you and, you know, you and your agency and so on and so forth. So, um, I mean, not trying to, you know, harp on those agencies that were attacked and, you know, all of those officers and, you know, the facility, but there I'm sure there was some type of, you know, early warning notice, hey, there's a high possibility that there may be a think, protest and it may turn violent. I so, can't,
0: I can't even, okay. I'm going to stop you right there because I can't even imagine. I think, okay. I'm an emergency manager. So sometimes I think like I have like the, maybe I have a different perspective, but I think about 90% of the country was like, yeah, I could see something happening on January
1: 6th. Right. So right. like,
0: what? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like as soon as you ask people to come, on uh, like a a high stress day or a high highly political day, things can happen, exactly. and it's just exactly. it's just poor planning. And the, the the sad reality is a cop is dead, and now too because yeah. another one committed suicide, and so it's like you know, and what total six people now, and that's just sad, you know. Like you don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. if you want to protest that the moon is made out of candy or that you know drinking salt water is a good idea. Go for it, man. You can be an <laughs> idiot, but like, I don't know. It doesn't match reality, and, and and as soon as as soon as you put people or things in in harm's way, like that hazard vulnerability assessment we talk about, like right. no, no. Um, yeah. I like how you said, like, bring it back to the basics, because yeah, like, COVID has made it really hard for like interpersonal communication and like relationship building. So, what do you yeah.
1: do? I mean. So, so COVID did a couple of things, right? So, for me personally, I'm gonna just speak for me, not for my. Not this. This is Jack speaking. Yeah. COVID, COVID highlighted deficiencies in everything we do on our day to day life. Number one, right, as an individual, and then going into your business, you know, mercy managers, you know, structures and organizations. It highlighted so many different things. And I think we talked about this on the last podcast, but it it highlighted so many different area areas. Um, that needed improvement or gaps in capability, so on and so forth. So I think it allowed us to be more prepared moving forward, right? Because we identified, hey, example, hey, we don't have enough uh, toilet paper in the building if something happens. Well, you know what? Let's overstock on toilet paper or stock up on toilet paper. So it provided us the opportunity to take a hard look in the mirror and say, you know what? We are ill prepared for this. And if it prolongs or anything like this happens again, we're still ill prepared. So now let's build plan systems. You know, all of those things or dust off plans that we have on the shelf and let's figure out what it looks like moving forward. So I think from an individual and an agency standpoint, I, I think COVID was a great thing for that respect. Obviously the people dying and all that other stuff and the, the ill handling of things, you know, however you look at it, whatever side of the fence you're on, that's, that's a, obviously a negative, but you know, um, communication, man, like, so for me, one of the biggest things for my job is I do um I don't want to use the word outreach, but I did I do partnership building with other agencies, whether it's in our jurisdiction or in our media area or it's out of state, you know, other other jurisdictions. So for us for me, that was hard, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a face to face guy. Hey man, I'm hey, I need to go see, you know, Joe in Minnesota. I'm flying to Minnesota, I'm gonna go talk to Joe. But yeah. I couldn't do those things. So so, for me, it was a little difficult. So, it made me have to find out other ways to communicate, which was Zoom, which was all these other different platforms and make those connections. And for some people, um, it's a little harder, right? They're not, they're more interpersonal and they're more res- reserved. So, for me, I'm out going, hey, man, I'm in your face, let's talk. So, it allowed me to, to get out and meet these other individuals virtually. So, I think that was cool. But again, it opened up another source of, um, opened up another resource that we have. Now we have Zoom. So now people can see. hey, you know what? We can host and talk and have training meetings and all these other different things over Zoom. We don't always have to be in the same location. So Mm -hmm. I think it was a benefit. Communication, it doesn't stop, right? Communication is not going to stop because the incident or whatever's going on is going on. You still have to communicate. You have to figure out ways. Primary, in the military, we had this thing called a PACE plan, right? Which stands for primary, alternate, contingent, and emergency plan. So, you go down the line. Once those things run out, what's next, right? Like, am I sending a pigeon to wherever, you know what I mean, with a note strapped to his heel? Whatever it is, it has to work. You can't stop and not communicate because the incident or the event's happening.
0: Okay, there's said really important things there, but the only thing I can think of right now is the fact that when <laughs> we were in Georgetown, we learned that there's a yeah. $100,000. Like pigeons that people buy, and I still can't yeah. imagine why anybody would spend a hundred grand on a pigeon. Uh, freaking a. So those are some good days too. Those are some good times. Those are some good times, man. I was, hey, talk about face to face, man. So for those who don't know, like uh, Georgetown's master's program, dude, they better sponsor me because I'm always talking them up. But. Uh, <laughs> But uh, like we we would go out and we would look at different uh, areas around the country or you know, even an international perspective of and we you go out there for to study for a week and man I th- I've already had several people from the program like on this show and of course you and mm-hmm. you know uh, Jack and I had uh, well we had like uh, season tickets at Georgetown <laughs> basketball it was a lot of fun yeah. like and 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 it shows that years later those relationships matter like. Um, I I talk about this thing in our active shooter class um, called "There's no such thing as not my problem." Like mm-hmm. if you notice somebody's behavior is dramatically changing, and they're having like major stresses, especially if they're bringing them into work, like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you know, this guy's ex husband showed up again and was like screaming outside the the office. Like that's not a time to be like, yeah, screw that. You know, some people try to ignore it, but like, hey, are you okay? You know, and and reducing. Um, reducing threat that way, and so like, anytime yeah. you can create a relationship with somebody, um, do it. Like, don't burn bridges. And um, a testament to that is like, I, I, I'm kind of a controversial person in general, but for the people that I can that I can keep hold, you know, I try to because you know years later we can have a cool conversation about this and and talk about what yeah. we're all doing. Um, and communication is everything, though. I like how you said like there's some silver linings in COVID. Like so many people focus on like the bad of COVID and duh, there's real, real problems there, but there's Mm -hmm. so many lessons learned. You talk about the next 10, 15 years of like after actions that are going to come out and case studies of if somebody would have said, this is like my, my fun one like to use, it's not fun, but um, if you said in 2019, let's put every kid in America at home for a year, for school and see what it does for, for education and their, their psychological development. Like, Mm. duh, nobody would would, like, what a horrible idea. No one's going to go for that. But so there's all these other case studies that the, that the pandemic provided to show like, okay, this is why kids need to be in school. This is what they can do online. Um, Does homework really matter? And like all these different uh, uh, ways that we're attacking our system, that we wouldn't have had the opportunity to do before, and, and clearly defining um, our deficiencies. It's really hard to know what your deficiencies are. You don't know what, what you don't know. You know, you know. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> I gotta ask though, because for those who are watching the YouTube video, you can see it, but be but those who are on the audio cannot. Jack has this really cool display behind him. he <laughs> has some of the firearms, but really he has that logo of Gladiator Guns and you're you talk about communications you talk about um, you know protecting assets <clears throat> let's just talk about like what you do for your business a little bit and how that mm-hmm. applies to emergency managers because i think you probably focus more on like the first responders but it the trainings available to anybody obviously and mm-hmm. so um, there's a lot of gray area of what emergency managers should do because of fema being in D- dhs and graying the lines behind a law enforcement and like humanitarian work. You hear about firefighters now carrying weapons for safety. Um, and so there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of implications there. So like, let's, let's talk about, uh, first what your business is. And then can you talk about why you decided to do your, um, gladiator guns?
1: Um, sure. Um, so again, I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of, uh, of nuggets of wisdom that you are just dropping, just for the record. So, uh, dropping bombs much, over here. much appreciated. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're gladiator guns training group. Um, we're a, um, small veteran owned disabled veteran owned business. Um, and we're based out of, uh, new Brunswick, Texas. And our whole mission is to provide training to law enforcement, military or civilian, um, Responsible legal gun owners that helps them be better prepared for whatever situation that may be. So we do that in a variety of different ways. We offer a variety of different classes. We offer everything from basic, hey, I just bought my first pistol or I bought my first rifle, what do I do with it? Um, To hey, I'm on a SWAT team um, and we're doing you know building entries and you know things of that nature. So we can kind of facilitate anywhere in that in that um, in that spectrum and. The reason why we started the business, um, it kind of stems back to prior to the military, prior to my government service when I was in the military, and I tell this story. Um, so, at my agency, uh, I started our uh, when I initially retired, uh, started working, and we, you know, just like every other agency, you do active shooter training, right? So, we did an active shooter training one day, and my options that they gave me were not conducive to my uh survival in my mind based off of where I just came from for the past 20 years. Mm. So, and there's nothing wrong with the program that they had um initially, which was, you know, they wanted to do the typical, you know, shelter in place lockdown type thing. So for me, that didn't sit very well because I'm more of a hey proactive guy, especially when it comes to my survival. Um, I don't want to be basing it on whatever somebody else will or won't do. So long story short, um, went out and found a, another program, got certified in this program, then started teaching the program. And we implemented that program at my agency and other agencies um, in, the, in the area for Department of Defense. So I took that same mentality and said, you know what? um how can we help people be better right like i had all of this experience from the military and now being in my current position uh for the past six years like how do i bridge the gap for regular everyday people right because there's a lot of stuff that we learn in the military do training and as far as uh in department of defense government you know work that you learn that is still applicable to your everyday lifestyle people So I said, Hey, let's, let's create a company or let's create a business plan and business model that says, Hey, we can teach people to be better prepared. And we do it from, like I said, we do firearms. Um, so we have this thing. Let me, let me talk about that real quick. Um, so we have this, our whole model for our company is discomfort is the breeding ground for confidence, right? That's, that's our company model. It's awesome. Um, and so we have what we call the total, total shooter concept. And this is like G five classified, like you're getting first, first-hand 1st account of this, right?
0: Everybody should be so, uh, paying attention right now, yeah.
1: Right, right. Get your tape decks ready. So, <laughs> our total shooter concept bridges four different aspects, right? So, we take the shooting aspect of readiness, right? So, you need to know how to defend yourself with whatever it is, whether a firearm, you know, whatever, whatever that object is. Then we take the um, physical, right? So, you need to have some type of um, physical ability or physical fitness. You can't you know, run from here to the steps. How are you going to run from here to the car? If you, you know, whatever, right? So some physical um, fitness. Then you have to have mindset, right? So you have to have the the mentality to be committed to whatever your action is. Then lastly, we talk about the medical training, right? Far and few between people are focusing on medical. Everybody wants to learn how to shoot. Everybody wants to learn, you know, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and all these other cool things, which is great. But the probability of you driving home and there's a car accident, right? And the dude's, you know, legs broken in half. He has an open femur fracture and blood coming out. Probably should use a tourniquet, right? So we be- we bridge all those gaps together and we came up with our to- total shooter concept. And we build our program, training program, off of those different concepts. So for us, it's been successful. We've been going strong for going on year number two now. Um we've trained everybody from SWAT dudes to undercover narcotics guys to your, you know, your single mom, your first day shooter to just average, um, competition shooters and anywhere in between. Right. So, uh, it's been good. We've seen, we've seen a lot of different faces. We've had a lot of, um, uh, reoccurring students. And then we've had some success stories in the training, right. Just recently, uh, I can't really talk about it yet, but we've had some officers get into uh, gunfights and, attributed some of their survival to some of the training they've taken with us. So, so yeah. it's a it's, uh, pretty good, pretty good thing.
0: I'm all for training. Um, I had a conversation years ago with somebody who was against pilots getting firearm training. And I was like, what you're talking about is the ability to protect yourself. You don't want somebody to have the training to do that properly. And my question at mm-hmm. the time and I, I've I've kind of looked this up a lot since then. Is how many police officers have an accidental or suicidal uh, event at their house with their children? Because children kill themselves with guns all the time. They play with guns and they kill themselves. and It's really sad. But how many police officers? It's almost zero. There, mm-hmm. As in not zero percent, but zero cases. Because fire, you know, uh, police officers, law enforcement officers get uh, training on how to store firearms. Every single police officer in America has a firearm. Every single one receives some level of training. They get received more mm-hmm. through Gladiator Guns Training Group. So big shout out there. But uh, they receive some level of training. And so I'm a big fan of training. So no matter what you do, learning about the, learning from experts of how to do it right. Oh, you're talking about being committed to action. And that's a big thing in our active shooter class, going back to the active shooter class. Is like we, we focus more on the civilian population that doesn't have firearms and so like what do you do run hide fight and run hide fight is so basic it doesn't even like address like most of what you should actually be doing. And so we just dive deep into each one of those and the entire purpose of my conversation with them is like I hope that you'll never need this, but if you do, it is the best thing that, that you'll ever get to be able to protect yourself and to live. Um, you also talk about um, the medical side. Really funny. A couple of years ago, I was riding home on my motorcycle on the highway, and there's an accident that happened right in front of me. Cars just slammed together. Uh, I pulled over. I started addressing the situation, checked on both drivers. Um, I, I did. A, I ended up doing an assessment on one of them while the other one was calling the ambulance and, and stabilized them, um, their neck. And um, I can't even tell you how many people um, asked me, especially the officers when they got there, uh, what were you doing with your motorcycle that caused this accident? I'm like, dude, I was not in this. <laughs> and so, know, like, so we're like putting the guy on a cart uh, uh, for the ambulance, and he's like literally laying there, like, hey, thanks, bro. And then he's looking over at the cop. Yeah, he wasn't involved, man. Like the other dude hit me. Like I was behind the scene, man. So, right. uh, <laughs> shout out for motorcyclists. You're not always the bad guy, <laughs> jerks. But um, so.
1: Go for Go it. Ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <clears throat> so I just wanted to make make a comment on what you said, right? Just talking about training. So if we look at it like from from emergency management perspective, right? Because the importance of training. Talking about the importance of training. So you know, like I know, there used to be this thing that FEMA used to say: the first seventy two is on you, right? Mm. And for those that don't know, what we're talking about it's basically saying that in the event of a of a accident or an emergency in your area you need to have at least 72 hours worth of supplies and sustainability for you and your family, right? So the same concept and the same principle holds true to training for any other weapon, firearm, whatever, right? How are you going to be able to properly, you know, plan for, you know, a weather disaster, right? And you lose weather for, or you lose power for, you know, six days, well, those first seventy two hours, you know, in theory, at once a point in time, you should be able to prepare for those and deal with it. It's no different than getting training like you're just talking about an active shooter, right? We plan for the worst but hope for the best, right? Yeah. If we're if we're trained how to respond to and all those other buzzwords recover from all those things, it makes it that much easier and one less thing we have to focus on and think about in training or in a real excuse me, in a real world situation because we have the training, right? Yeah. We talk about this in our classes. <clears throat> when I teach, we talk about this thing called everybody. Uh, we talk about muscle memory. I'm not a big proponent of the word muscle memory because your muscles don't have brains. But that's <laughs> neither here nor there. That's, that's an argument that can go on forever, right?
0: Neurological but, connections to muscles, yeah. Right,
1: the neurological pathways, right? So myelination is like the buzzword for it, right? So if we talk about it in class that if if I'm teaching you something and you've only done it one time, then your mental um, capacity and your mental Rolodex or your mental file cabinet, you only have one file in there to say, hey, I got to search through all of this stuff to find this one sheet of paper or this one training or aspect that I've done mm. to pull from that's going to help me be successful. Well, if you've done it over and over and over, you have a large card, ca- card catalog. I'm kind of dating myself now calling card catalog. You have a large card catalog that you can pull from that has, repetition over top of repetition over top of repetition. Mm. So instead of going down it slowly and cautiously, that road that you initially walked down, it was this, this wide the first time you did it. Now you have a, a six-lane highway that you're flying through there and you're not even thinking, you're subconscious yeah. competent making things happen. But anyway, sorry. I'm about to get on, I'm about to start educating, but you get my point. Training is, is crucial. Training is the crucial thing in everything we do. Right. So one more, one more example, right? Like when you get the new, uh, when you get the new fire stick, right? You get the fire stick. Nobody picks up a fire stick and like turns it on and starts working Amazon or whatever you're going. Right.
0: I had no idea what you meant by face. Fire Stick, and now I Amazon. Right. The, 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 right. the like TV, you get, got
1: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Amazon, shout out to Amazon. Let's send some, uh, Sponsor Fire Stick our show. Over here to yeah. The <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you get it, and you hand it to somebody who's never used it. They're looking at it like it's a, you know, a foreign object from another country or another planet. And you're like, how do I use this thing? And they start tinkering with it. But after time and time of working with it, training, repetition, they can start surfing and doing everything, and it makes it so much easier, right? So training it's crucial. You got to train, guys. Glad you go to a
0: group, dude. dude I am gonna make that. I am gonna make that a clip, and I'll send it right over to you so you can uh, put on your show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like uh, I, I like the the thought process of you, you fight like you train, you train like you fight. And um, the 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 one caveat I would say on there is emergency managers always like to come up with training that like nobody knows about. Like every single event, it's like, oh, you can't have any preparation. Like boom. Bomb, bomb hit or there's a flood all of a sudden. Nobody saw the storm coming. You know, like <laughs> what? Uh, I, I would change that a little bit. Now you could, you should right. train for events that there's a media onset. And uh, what I mean, I'm not talking about a hurricane media onset. I'm talking about like black Swan. Like, okay, you can train for that. However, like <laughs> most incidents you can see coming. If I'm on a road on my motorcycle, man, my head is on a swivel constantly. I'm looking for objects in the road. I'm looking for other cars. I'm looking at my space. You know, and uh, this is most like a training course, but like the the same concepts applies, right? And so you can put that in your training. You can say, mm-hmm. okay, in the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about a three county flood in our state. We're going to be talking about the mobile ho- home park just down the road uh, got hit by a tornado. What do we do? And allowing people to to have both both a little bit of uh, a heads up. Hey, this is what we're going mm-hmm. to be doing. And to have experts come in there and say, this is what you should do first instead of people just Mm -hmm. guessing. But then it's really, really critical to actually go there and do it yourself. Okay, this is what's happening. This is what's going to happen. This is what you should do. This is how you should do it. And now you do it. And having experts guide that. I've seen... I haven't taken your course yet. And I said I wanted to take it last summer. I'm still very serious about that. In fact... Okay. Not a gun guy myself. Hilarious. I finally... Like a week ago, got my hunter safety course. Uh, Just did that. Just as a really basic. My dad's like probably dying inside because my dad was a marksman. He taught me how to use a firearm, and so I've had like a ton of training from him. But outside of that, I haven't used firearms. And so I was like, you know, I want to start from the ground up. What do I do if I want to go hunting? How do I do that? And then uh, I want to go to your courses. In fact, I asked. uh, I asked you several months ago. Embarrassing for me. I asked you several uh, months (laughs) ago, which. A uh, firearm uh, I should get, and you suggested some options. So maybe we can uh, put yeah. that in the show notes or something. But um, yeah, like what's you're in, your
1: sh- you're in Cali, right? You're in Cali, right?
0: Yeah. I'm for yes, I'm in Cali.
1: So we're uh, we'll be in Arizona April 24th and 25th in Phoenix. That's kind of close to you. I'm just saying.
0: Um, uh, I'm, I'm that's like a that's like a day drive for me. Just saying. So okay. Uh, we should do uh we should do an episode like. At your uh, at your training course, that'd be awesome, Coming out. dude. I'm in. Out. April twenty fourth and 25th. Tw- oh no, April twenty fourth and twenty fifth. No, you should do it like a few days earlier than 10th. that.
1: September twenty fifth and
0: twenty sixth. Okay, I'm in. I'll put that on my calendar.
1: Arizona.
0: I have a I have a commitment already for April twenty fifth. Um, okay, but yeah, dude. Uh, September. Dude, send me the details afterwards. I'm in. I'm all in. Okay. Um, for sure. So, and that again, um, because you're like a really close friend of mine and everybody knows that you're, you're a cool dude. If you want to um, take one of uh, Jack's training courses with Gladiator Guns Training Group, we're going to put uh, a link to the training course in our show notes. So just go to the show notes uh, on the podcast. We'll also put it under the YouTube video for the, uh, for a little thing there again, just to say thanks for coming on the show. And, uh, maybe you can get some um, you know some people joining in there. so um, oh, yeah, cool, just thanks man. for that I but appreciate it let's let's talk about uh, we talked about the training. we talked about kind of the why and the what. Let's finish off with talking about um the the gray because there is gray within mm. using firearms for emergency manager. It's not all pros. you want to protect yourself. we get that. however, like that first seventy two on you concept, there's a lot of organizations and general public who look at emergency managers and say, okay, I hear emergency. That means you're the law enforcement guy and you're the fire guy. Like you're going to go over to the fire hose and turn it on, right? There's a fire. Or if there's an active shooter, <laughs> you're going to go over there and you're going to kill the guy, right? And right, right. Um, clearly that's that's a misnomer. That's, that's a little off there. As a guy who's a veteran who implemented uh, um you know, not just the defense per, uh, side of it, but saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repel threat. You have a ton of experience and training. For the other emergency managers out there, guys who went to college for it, who never de- dealt with an active assailant, um, what do you say to them? And what, what do you think organizations should do? What are the pros and cons there for having firearms for um, emergency managers? Wow,
1: man, that's a loaded question, man. Um, Boom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so so I, I I really I mean I, I think I think there's good and bad in it, right? There's there's it has its it has its place and its benefits. Um but I also think it could do more harm than good if there's not strict guidance and training requirements and, you know, a bunch of other fail safes in there to the point to where if the emergency manager has to, you know, draw, present, you know, attack the threat, so on and so forth, then we might've missed some things prior to that. Right. So, Absolutely. um, but if, if it gets to that point, right. To, to your question, us having to use them, then I think I don't see anything wrong with an emergency manager, uh, being trained as a auxiliary piece to a law enforcement or protection asset to do that. But I don't think the emergency manager can serve his or her role as managing the incident. If you're in the middle of love that. whatever that incident is, right? Like yeah. you can't be in two places at one time. I'd love to get behind a gun and, and you know, clear wall corners and doors and do all those cool things with
0: you know, my LE.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, my LE counterparts, but If I'm doing that, then who's the one, like we talked about earlier, being the plug, letting them know, hey, we have, you know, this local asset coming to help. They're going to come in through this doorway and they're going to meet you on this. Like who's doing that? Who's coordinating and managing? You can't do both. So um, I say if you're going to do it, it's cool to have it as a backup. Let's just say worst case scenario, you know, your agency is, is attacked by like. 50, you know, like Red Dawn or something, right? Like you're attacked (laughs) by a whole whole army. Yeah. Right, like there's no other option. Like you're not managing, you're just trying to survive right now. So then, yeah, it may be that, but I think trying to manage and participate, it's it's going to be kind of difficult. Not saying it can't be done. I don't know, maybe if you have a, a team of emergency managers or emergency management section where you know, like we have a section where we can say, Hey, you other individuals are going to do this. Will you go bounce and you go connect with law enforcement and you fill in wherever they need you, whatever type thing? So it's, it's all situation dependent, but I think it would be cool.
0: I think you're at on. Least
1: have that training.
0: I think you're on to it right there. Um, That's why we have security staff. Like you, mm-hmm. you train a, a staff. Um, to be able to, uh, do that tactical level response, emergency manager is served best by having the strategic level response. My personal opinion. I've held. Uh, I've asked a lot of people. Actually, I've asked you now twice, um, kind of differently. Um, both times, did
1: my, did my answer change? No, nope. my answer kind of. Well, I asked you okay, different. Cool. I asked you I, different
0: I, questions, but uh, around. it got to be topic. consistent, right?
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, you got to be consistent.
0: No, well, your your answer hasn't changed. i I asked different questions within the same topic, and I asked. I've asked like humanitarians. I've asked a USAR. Uh, you know, we had a USAR expert on here. Um, asked military vets, all kinds of deal um firefighters I've asked a lot of people on the show their question I've kind of held real, back on my yeah
1: real quick you can't you can't just say USAR and let that go across like uh. we know what it means <laughs> but some people don't yeah. but but the point is you also have to let your listeners know that we did USAR training in London
0: That's right we did and I brought that up yeah. so this is this is a that's a double edged sword I've had a USAR guy on here twice so if you don't know what USAR is you suck but if you're <laughs> new and you don't know a That's not artist, what you is, you fine. Right? <laughs> yeah, urban, yeah use, <laughs> urban search and rescue. And there's it's different from search and rescue. They, they have different functions. Basically, one's within a, a, a collapsed city environment and the other one's um, looking for um, whether it's cadaver or uh, a person of interest. So, uh, but yeah, Jack and I in um, the fire service college in England um, did some uh, urban search and rescue training. I learned that I don't like confined spaces and I also learned that our very big firefighter buddies in the program should not be doing it, but they were doing it. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. so uh, here is my personal opinion on it. Like I said, I've held back for a while. My personal opinion is, you are a target by by putting an agency on on your chest. As soon as you, mm-hmm. as soon as you wear something, um, you are a target. You're also a target because it's like saying you work at the CIA. You could be, you could be an accountant. You could be, you know, doing maintenance. But saying you work at the CIA puts you on a uh, puts you as a target. So, like, my thought process is you want the training and you need the training because at the end of the day, our level of situational awareness has to be raised because of our field. Mm-hmm. I would say that you're least effective by responding yourself. Um at the same time if a guy's gonna gonna come into my office building I'm not gonna wait for uh law enforcement to get there. Um I'm I'm if there's percent. if there's immediate threat to my life I'm gonna take care of that threat and you better believe I'm gonna take care of that threat. So uh, and that's based off of the training I've received, right? Like I've 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 taken all the active shooter classes. I now teach it. I've been in active assailant events. I have informal training from my father that served me very, very well when I was presented with an immediate threat that was six inches away from me, you know, ten years ago, and had several events happen because of that. And everybody thought I I had all this formal training, but I, I just, I was successful because I had uh, really done my the the parts well. Thanks, Dad. Um, but like, there's a whole level there. There's a whole level of incident management and my thought process there is it once law enforcement arrive on the on the scene and you're the guy in a flannel shirt holding the the bad guy's gun they're going to shoot you you know yeah. you don't want to be holding a gun when law enforcement comes barreling through and their their um their level of anxiety is through the roof and most of them don't have um um extreme training with this and so you know they're they're focusing on all fibers there and um anything can be perceived as a weapon. So, um, that's my thought process. Uh, kind of like that, like good for personal training, uh, only do of its life saving for yourself. And, uh, you can be more effective if, um, you're coordinating with all the other agencies once they get on scene. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Did you see the movie run, hide, fight? The,
1: the actual VHS.
0: No, 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 no. There's a, there's a movie no. that came out. Dude, it's horrible. No. Well, it's, I can't say it's horrible because that's just that's just too much. It's it's kind of ridiculous. There's like five kids who storm a high school and they they take it over, and this girl who who went hunting one time is able to take them all out, and they're all able to think cognitively. There's there's no like there's no um you know gays going on. It's kind of a weird movie. It's mm. not really realistic, but it does call out one really important thing of like um you know these active shooters are there to hurt you and that's like the only Mm -hmm. that's like the only objective body count Mm
1: -hmm. it's
0: gotten It's getting real dark real fast um but uh either way jack like thanks for coming on the show again and talking about threat and uh, and coordination and training and of course i've already said like so many times jack didn't pay me to say this i just i'm just kind of hoping uh that he gets some work like we get work at the Doberman Emergency Management Group. And so if you need a contractor, if you need somebody to come in and do, either do training or emergency plans, um, have an expert come in there. We can help you out. And if you need firearms training, you want that personal protection because you recognize you're a target. Or you're in law enforcement, military, and you know you need additional training, you want to apply that to uh, your specific work, uh, go to Gladiator Guns Training Group. Again, we will be in the show notes. You can click on that. Hopefully, you can sign up for one of their courses. Maybe I'll see you there in September. And um, yeah, thanks again, Jack, for coming on the show.
1: Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for, you know, choosing me to come back on. Thank you to your listeners. Um, hopefully, you guys got something out of this. And uh, continue to support, man. And, you know, whether you're an emergency manager or you're just an everyday person, man, don't take training as, hey, just, you know, willy nilly like if you're a local if you're a regular everyday person look to your local um, cert teams and your local um, assets to see where you can go get stop the bleed training or where you can go get you know basic first aid and CPR because all of these things matter right no matter what happens we talk about it and I know he needs to go we need to cut the show off and I'm going to stop here but no matter what happens the word first responder is the person or individuals closest to the incident so stop thinking hey you know Like he said, that law enforcement is going to come turn the the water off or, you know, put the fire out while you're in a house in the middle of the fire. Like, start planning to prepare to defend yourself and protect yourself, and then, oh, by the way, somebody's going to come finish what you start. So that's my two cents on it.
0: That's awesome. Thanks again, Jack, for coming on. All right, guys. As always, if you like this episode... You had a lot of fun listening to Jack. He made you think more about emergency management, those implications for risk management. Give us that five-star rating, which we love. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, any platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, whatever. Also, make sure that you follow us on Instagram at DisasterToughPodcast, where we post more on that, and on our new YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and look up Jack's episode, type in William Jackson, whatever, the Disaster Tough Podcast. You're going to find our episodes on there. You can see what it's like when we have these face-to-face conversations, especially if you want to work with us. If you want to work with us and you want more information, then you need to send us an email, info at dobermanemg.com. You can also look at our show notes where we have our website. We'll also have the website for Gladiator Guns Training Group. So if you're looking for training that way as well, you know we're all working together as a whole community approach. So send us an email if you've identified a gap we'll help you fill that gap. Again, that's info at dobermanemg.com. Guys, stay disaster tough.